Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Now, as we start thinking about uh, living life deeply, um, you know, life has this kind of crazy habit of just keep moving. Have you noticed that? And uh, in 10 years' time, this church will be approaching our 50th. And some of you are trying to work the maths out on how old you will be in 10 years' time and whether you'll still be here or not. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing. In 10 years' time, if you are here, God willing, you will be 10 years older. Now, that's incredibly prophetic and powerful, isn't it, what I've just said? You will be 10 years older, but here's the question. Will you be 10 years wiser? Will you be 10 years more mature? Will you be 10 years deeper as a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, or as a person? Because here's the thing, aging is inevitable, but maturity is optional. So just because we get older, it doesn't mean that we get more mature. And the Bible is kind of like a, this whole invitation, and Christianity is a whole invitation just to follow, to find and follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, the idea is that as you follow Him, you're getting more and more mature. You're becoming more and more like Him. If you're not a Christian this morning, being a Christian isn't about getting it all sorted out, and then you qualify to follow Jesus. If that was the case, none of us would be following Jesus, am I right? Christianity is an invitation to follow Jesus and he says, and as you follow me with all your junk and with all your questions and with all your doubts and with all your frailties and your weaknesses, as you follow me, Jesus says, I'll make you into who I want you to be. You will be more and more mature and you'll become more and more like me and that's the idea of being a Christian. It isn't about getting it all sorted out and then becoming a Christian. It's following Jesus and then he will make you who he wants you to be. But in 10 years time, we'll all be 10 years older, but will we be more mature? You see, there's this kind of idea of, of, of like I said on Tuesday night, those of you that were here about in the school of psychology, that the first 40 years of your life is all about expansion and the second 40 years of your life is all about consolidation. Okay, and what often happens as you get older is that, is that you do retreat back and you think more about yourself and your family and immediate things. But I think in the kingdom of God, as we get older, we should always be expanding and consolidating, expanding and consolidating. We should always be letting go of the sides of the pool so that we're actually moving out of the shallows and into the depths. You see, the shallow life, folks, the shallow life is the safe life. The shallow life is the average life. The shallow life is the superficial life. But the deep life is where the growth is. The deep life is where the adventure is. But the deep life is where the scary things are. My wife, she's not here this morning, but she loves these kind of disaster movies, okay? So we had a bit of time off together on Friday and we went to see Crawl, which is a ridiculous movie, basically about giant alligators that are underneath the house in a... In a funnily enough, in a storm in Florida, that's relevant, and basically these people are crawling underneath the house and being chased by these giant, I don't even know why I'm saying this story, I didn't say it the first time, I don't even know what my point is here, but my point is here, that, 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 and, that's the, and she loves these kind of films, but she'll always say to me, that's why I don't swim in lakes, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> because you never know what's underneath, and that's the reality about the depths, isn't it? It's where the adventure and growth is, but it's where the unknown is. And that's often why we want to stay in the shallows with our feet on the floor because then we're in control. 
And when you're in control of your life fully, that isn't the life that God has for you. Life begins when we live deeply. That means taking our feet off the floor, letting go of the side and moving into the deeper waters. There were once, there was once, folks, a group of people who were ordinary people. The Bible says they were unschooled, ordinary people. They were like, they were, they were your, you know, they, they weren't the elite of society. They, they, they weren't the ones that, that were, were in celebrity stuff. They weren't, they weren't the ones that had a million Instagram followers. They were ordinary people, but they lived deeply. And they lived so deeply that they changed the world. And we're going to look at this group of people because over the next six weeks, we're going to come back to this passage of Scripture many times. And this is, this is the description of them right at the beginning. And this is like a snapshot. This doesn't mean this is the only picture of them, all right? There are other, you know, people say to me, oh, let's, let's all be like that. Well, the rest of the book of Acts shows that they were human as well and they made mistakes and all of that. But this is a snapshot into how they lived in Acts chapter 2. And it says this, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. It's a beautiful phrase. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles before many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. Those that voted leave and those that voted remain. Let me just make that point. When you're a Christian, all right, that is bigger than that. He is bigger than your view. He is bigger than your preference. He is bigger than what you voted for or what you didn't vote for or what you haven't got a clue what what you're going to vote for anymore now because who's confused? I'm confused. But the Bible says there was a group of people who were in such close relationship with each other that whatever they voted politically, whatever colour they were, whatever background they were for, was immaterial compared to what they'd found. They lived deeply together. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Listen, and I know this is a little bit like if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this, this, is, what the, this is what the Christian life is meant to be, okay? That, that this is the early church and they lived deeply They lived a deep relationship with God. They lived a deep relationship with each other and they lived a deep engagement with the world. They got out of the shallows and they moved into the depths. And you see, getting out of the shallows is important for every single one of us. None of us really want to live in the shallows. And none of us can afford to live in the shallows. Because your faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, demands that you don't live in the shallows, but you live in, in, in the dips. And you deserve that. And Jesus deserves that as well. And so does your world and your community. We are never, ever going to influence our community by living in the shallows. By just, oh, I've become a Christian and that's it. And I'm here now and I'm not moving. Because when we do that, we are never, ever going to impact our world. Only when we move from the shallows into the depths. And as these first churches got established, the leaders of the churches had to continually remind their guys that, hey, you're drifting back to the shallows. Let's go. Acts 14. And it says that each place they went, so this is a little bit later on, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go, what's the word? Deeper. 
deeper in their faith. And if you read the New Testament, all of the writings in the New Testament are are kind of letters where they write to the churches as the churches are growing and getting 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. And they're addressing issues where they're going back to the shallows rather than keep going forward into the depths. And it happens so many times. You see, ageing is inevitable, but maturity is optional. Now, I want to to just introduce five characters to you this morning. And we're going to use these characters next week as well. This is just something I've thought about. And I've just put names next to them, okay? So if your name is this, I'm not making a point about you. These are like five groups of people. So maybe here this morning or or watching online or listening online, there are some curious Chrises. In other words, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're curious. You're interested in what it means. You know, our hope and prayer is that you would take a step with that curiosity, that you'd stay, you're right here now, but you know what, I'm going to take a step. One of the things you could do is you could come to Alpha. It's amazing. How many of you have been to Alpha? Let me just see your hand. Wow. If you are watching or listening, loads of hands in the room have just gone up. That's amazing. Loads of people you know. And you were curious about faith, but you didn't understand it much. And you came along to Alpha and you took a step and you moved out of the shallows into deeper water. Amazing. Maybe you're a new Nikki and you came and you found Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus. There are many of you here in the room this morning. Don't stay new. Keep moving forward. Maybe you are a stuck stand. Maybe you just got stuck in your Christian experience and you got into the water here, but you've stayed there. And the idea isn't to stay there. The idea is to move out of the shallows into the depth. And when you're there, to keep moving because there's always deeper water. Maybe you're a veteran Vicky and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've got stuck as well. Maybe you've got to a point where you think there's nothing left to learn and there's nowhere left that you can grow and you've done all your trusting and you've done all your stepping into deeper waters. Not so. Not so. Or maybe you're a happy Henry and you're absolutely fine where you are and everything's going great. Well, that's great. But I want to say to each and every one of you, there's more. Hello? There's more for each and every one of you. There is more life. And life begins when we move out of the shallows into the deeps. So how do we live life deeply? How do we move from the shallows into the deeper waters? And I want to I open up one thought with you this morning, okay? And this is the thought. There's lots in life that should never be attempted to do alone. I think parenting is one of those things. You know, say in Africa, don't they? It takes a village to raise a child. You know, you, know you, never, you don't learn to drive on your own. That's a thing that you don't do on your own. And here's the thing, the thought I want to open up with you. Faith is in that category. Faith was never meant to be done alone. Now you have your own personal faith, but it was always meant to be set in the context of community and of relationships. And about 40 years after the church started, there was um, a, a book in the, in the Bible called the book of Hebrews, which was a letter written to, to, to the church that had kind of was getting towards its 30 or 40 year mark. And they were in a tough time of persecution and of difficulty. And they were retreating back from the depths to the shallows. And the writer, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, he writes them lots of things to encourage them to keep moving into the deep, to keep moving forward, to keep, don't stay as babies, but become mature and all that. And, and in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this amazing kind, kind of verses that I want to open up with you this morning. And there's a repeating phrase in this passage of Scripture. See if you can pick out what it is. And it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. 
By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. There's that kind of call to go out of the shallows, let go of the side and trust him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What's the repeating phrase? Let us, let us. Four times in that, the writer says, let us. He doesn't say let me. He doesn't say let I, let you, let us. In other words, there's a corporate sense to this whole thing that we call faith. Let us move forward together. Let us live lives that are deep. And it's so, so you see, your me needs a we, if I can say that. You know, your faith needs friends. If, if you want to live the, the deep life that God has for you, if you want to experience life as God intended, it's never going to happen in isolation. It will always happen in community. Now, yes, there's that personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that. But the expression of that, the depth of that, my experience is this, that whenever I've moved out the shallows into the depth, I can't think of many occasions when there's not been others involved in that process. Because your faith needs friends. And I want to give you four reasons why this is so important. And at the end, I want to ask you to realign your life today, okay? I'm going to take you through this almost like a lawyer would go through a little case. Okay, here's the case for the prosecution or whatever you want to call it, okay? At the end, I'm going to invite you to realign your life along these principles. Number one, we draw near to God together. The writer says, let us draw near to God, not let me not let I, let us. Now, of course, we draw near to God on our own in our relationship with Jesus. But there's something powerful when we draw near to God together. And let me just be really crystal clear about that. That means the gathering of the church. That's like when we do Sunday morning. That's like when we gather. On Friday this week, you know, for those of you that are around, we're going to have a half night of worship and prayer. We've never done that before. It's a great opportunity to gather together to draw near to God. And when, why we do this, why we do this is because when we come together, there's an added dimension of intensity. Now, I love worship songs, okay? And I sing, I listen to worship songs every day of my life. And I will sing sometimes on my own and, um, or in the car, uh, you know. And when I'm out on my bike, I listen to worship songs. When I'm studying, I listen to worship songs. I love it. But there's an added intensity when I sing with you guys. There's something in the room that happens. There's something that happens in here when we draw near to God together. And um, uh, some years ago, I was on a retreat with some friends and uh, Christian leaders. And we've been Christian leaders for a long time, many of us. And uh, we've gone out for a curry and we came back to this retreat center. And, and I play the piano and one of the guys plays guitar. And we, we played in Christian bands together for a, for a long time. And um, so, so he was just messed about on the guitar. I was messing about on the piano. And we just started saying, hey, do you remember this one? And we played this song from the 70s and we played this worship song from the 80s. And then we said, oh, what about this? And it was all a bit of a laugh until we realised that God was in the room. Because we were singing some songs that we connected all of a sudden with what God had done in our lives in times gone past. 
And I turned around and one of the guys was on his knees and one of the guys got tears down his face. And all of a sudden, what started as a bit of a laugh, we'd, 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 we'd drawn near to God together. Does that make sense? Who was here on Tuesday night? Encounter. Many of you. Amazing. You know, just the sense of God's presence here as we draw near, drew near to God together. Now, you can get the podcast and we put out the podcast and we will put the podcast out from Encounter. And you can get the podcast, but you cannot podcast an experience. And there's an intensity when you and I gather together, which is so, so important. And not only intensity, but, but there's a greater consistency. You see, here's the thing. I have never seen decreased attendance lead to increased devotion. So some people say to me, I don't need to come to church because it's just me and Jesus. I have never, ever met anybody who has increased their devotion. Now, there may be people out there, I've never met one. There's always a correlation that when attendance decreases, so does your devotion to Jesus. It just happens. It just really does. You see, here's the thing. You know, I started going to the gym three or four years ago. I tried to go two or three times a week, okay? If I went once a month, what benefit would that be to me physically? I'll tell you what, absolutely nothing. And yet the average follower of Jesus who says they're a committed member of a church these days goes to church about once a month. Now, that's not a judgment. I'm just saying if you want to be physically and spiritually, if you want to be spiritually fit, and you want to draw near to God together, you've got to get yourself in the room. It's so, so important. Here's the thing. I've never seen decreased attendance help your kids to follow Jesus. You don't bring your kids to church consistently, consistently, right? When they're younger, when they're older, they will walk away. I'm just telling you, that's just the truth. And when you and I say, oh, you know, as Christian parents, we, what we want more than anything for our kids is we want them to follow Jesus. And that's absolutely true. And there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. But if you are not consistent and they're not consistent and they don't build relationship with other Christian guys and girls, I'll tell you what is, what is a guarantee, they'll walk away from Jesus. And, and, and when they start to see that it's not important to you, and that actually it's not a, ry a rhythm for you in your life, then don't, don't come complaining to us later on when they say, I ain't going to church neither, because you didn't a lot of the time, did you? Because actually when the sun was out, we all just went out for the day. Rather than saying, do you know what? In this family, hey, gathered worship is part of how we do our life. And yes, then we go out. And yes, we'll do sports, but we won't do that to the exclusion or to the, or to the, the detriment of that gathered experience. Because when you do that, you allow and enable your kids and you to be in that position where there's that intensity and that consistency. And so this, let me tell you a really, really old story. This, this guy, pastor, recognized that somebody hadn't been to church for a while and went to visit them and, and, and just sat in their living room and, and just sat and listened to them. And, and the guy knew why the pastor was there and the guy gave all these reasons why life was so busy and there was this and there was that. And, and you know what I mean? And this was happening and that was happening. That's why he hadn't been to church. And the pastor didn't say a word, but there was, there was a coal fire, old story. And uh, the pastor didn't say a word, but what he did was he got some tongs and he went over and took a piece of the coal off the fire and just put it on the hearth for a moment. And they both looked at it. And of course, all the fire went out of the coal. And then the pastor went back and he picked the coal up again and put it back on the fire and all of the fire came back. And the pastor didn't say a word. And the guy said, all right, all right, all right, I get the message. I get the message. I'll be there next week. Because you take yourself off the fire, you go cold. I take myself off the fire, 
I go cold. And one of the fires God has given us, one of them is the gathered experience. So we draw near to God together. But you know what? We also defeat sin together. See, the Bible says here, it talks about this temple imagery about our hearts being washed and being sprinkled with blood. And that sounds a bit gory. Basically, it's the temple imagery from the Jewish faith where, where because of sin and separation from God and things that we all do wrong, which we all do, you know, what they did is that they washed themselves and then they took an animal and sacrificed it and they sprinkled the blood. and That absolved them of the guilt temporarily. Then, of course, Jesus came along and in one massive cataclysmic, world-changing sacrifice gave himself as a one-time sacrifice for us. So now, when we come together, we defeat sin together. Because when I come together with you, it reminds me and you remind me that I am not a sinner any longer because I'm a follower of Jesus, but I do sin. How many of you have bad days? We have bad weeks. Sometimes we have bad months. But when we come together, we defeat sin together. And here's how we do it, because the Bible says that, that there are two really important dynamics to this whole issue. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus today, today your lifestyle matters, all right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, sit back and relax and do whatever you want. If you're a follower of Jesus, your lifestyle matters. How you live sexually matters. How much alcohol you drink matters. What you do with your finance matters because you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to live the life Jesus wants me to live. But we're all human and we all mess up. And there's two dynamics that work here. One is forgiveness, but the other is healing. So the Bible says this, if we can go to 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us. Brilliant. That's to God. And many people say, I don't need to come to church. I don't need to talk to anyone else because Jesus will forgive me and he absolutely will. But then the Bible has another, another thing on this in James 5. Therefore confess your sins to each other. Not God, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, we're forgiven when we confess to God. But when we confess to each other, there's like a healing that sets us free and liberates us. And many followers of Jesus stay in the shallows because they don't bring what's going on in their life into the light. But when we do that together, we defeat sin together. We remind each other that we're going to make it and who we are in Jesus. Number three, we hold on to hope together. The, the, the NIV version, which I know better than the one I put up, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. In other words, you know, life, life throws things at you, doesn't it? And you've ever been on, on, on the road, I've been on the road in India and in um, other parts of Asia where, where you, you have to keep your eyes open because things will come at you. You know, like cars and trucks and buffaloes and goodness knows what. And, and, and you swerve. And the, the writer says, we've got to hold on to hope unswervingly. Because life will knock it out of us. Life will knock us off. When we come together, we remind ourselves that we're in this thing together. And like Vicky read earlier on, you know, we, we, you, you, you go in the waters, but you won't be drowned. You go through the fire, but you won't be burned. You know, you, you feel overwhelmed, but you won't be because we have hope together. Your faith needs friends. My, one of my favourite stories is the story of David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. David, many of you will know David killed Goliath and wrote lots of Psalms, became a king. But after, just after he killed Goliath, 
um, the, the, the king at the time, Saul, uh, was jealous of David and, and pursued him and tried to kill him. And Saul had a son called Jonathan, the prince, who shouldn't have been a friend of David's, but he was. God had knit them together. This was like a divine relationship. And, and Jonathan often was the one that came alongside David. And, and I, I can imagine him putting his hands on his shoulders and saying, hey, David. And David got really depressed at times and really downhearted and, and thought God had left him. And Jonathan was the one that looked him in the eyes and said, you'll make it. You'll make it. Because God is in your life. God has spoken it. You'll make it. You just need me to tell you. You just need me to remind you. And Jonathan gave him what he couldn't have himself, which was sight, security, and support when he needed it. I don't know about you, but I need that, don't you? You know, if you ever get to a point where you think you can do life on your own, you are in a very, very dangerous situation. I can't. I can't. I need other people. I need Jonathans in my life. I need other people that will come alongside and tell me, hey, Leon, don't worry, you're going to make it. Because sometimes I can't see that. And we all need that. Your faith needs friends. And finally, we're going to change the world together. Anyone excited about that? Oh, come on, people. We're going to change the world together. I need to get into a black Pentecostal church here today. Because if I'd have said that in a black Pentecostal church, you'd have been throwing chairs around in Jesus' name. We'll change the world together. We will. You know, it says spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And you know, when I, when I hear stories about what people are doing and, you know, hear stories about how God is using me, it spurs me on. I don't know whether any of you know, I think Simon's told the story here before when I, I, he dropped me at the airport in March and uh, in his car and broke down just as he dropped me at Heathrow at four in the morning. And, and in my pastoral way, I said, oh, that's really sad, but I've got to catch a plane, so... And basically, he, the AA man came, and long story short, the, on their way back, as he towed Simon back up to, up to the Midlands, he shared his story, and his story was identical to Simon's story. Identical, like six months in prison, two daughters, martial arts, this, this, this. Just like identical, just like you would have to have more faith to not believe in God than believe in God, okay? And the upside of the story was, story was that, that Simon shared his faith with this man, prayed for this man, and this man is on an alpha course in a church. And when I hear stories like that, it spurs me on. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was in Albania. I told the story on Tuesday night, and our guy Yeton, who's 25, who leads the church there, is from a Muslim background, um, gave, left school at 14. A year ago, family really struggling, Muslim family, very difficult, all live in the ghetto, uh, very difficult. But a year ago, um, his mother became a Christian, his sister became a Christian. Then two weeks ago, I was in church when his nephew, his cousin who's a drug addict, and his father were on stage because the week before they'd all became, they'd all got baptised. And when I look at that and, and, and that story, it spurs me on to want to go do something, doesn't it, you? And what would it be like if we all, each of us said, I want to reach someone for Jesus. I want to share my faith. I've got a family as well that don't know God. What would that look like? And then maybe we said, hey, how can we all get together at times and encourage each other, but actually do something together as well? And so in two weeks' time, a week on Saturday, a week on Friday and Saturday, there'll be hopefully hundreds of us out in Hagley and in Rowley and in Hales Owen just for a few hours of our weekend, just serving and blessing and maybe then people would look at that and say, why are all you guys out on Saturday morning trying to make our community look better? 
Why are you guys out weeding and picking up litter? And, and do, Why are you doing that? And then we can say, we're doing that because we love God and because we love this community. And maybe we could change the world together. So, where are you at this morning? Whether you're curious, whether you're new, whether you're stuck, whether you're a veteran or whether you're just kind of happy and content, where are you at? And if you're still actually in the shallows, maybe God is calling you and encouraging you to move into the depths today. So how can you do that? I want to give you three very, very direct challenges. Number one, I want to invite you and encourage you and challenge you to commit to the gathering. Don't just come to church when you feel like it. Say, this is part of the rhythm of my life. This is going to be part of the rhythm of our family. Because if you want to model something to your kids, you have to model it. You are the only one who can model it. The future spirituality of your kids, if you are Christian parents, does not rest in the youth department. It rests in the partnership between you as parents and us as church workers. That's how it's going to be. It's got to be. So commit to the gathering. Secondly, commit to a group. If you're not in a connect group or if you're not serving in a group somewhere, I really want to encourage you to do that, guys. As we head into this season, I'm in a connect group. I love it. We're going to be meeting this week. And, and that group, they sharpen me and they challenge me. And, and someone's going to ask me a question. <laughs> They're in the room this morning. You know, and it will encourage us to go deeper. So are you in a group? But thirdly, here's a, here's a challenge across the whole, the whole piece, if you like. I want to encourage you to commit to going deeper in all of your relationships. Because you can live in the shallows, but that isn't where life is really lived. It's in the depths. So I want to encourage you to go deeper in all of your relationships. Add friends to your faith. Maybe be a friend for somebody else's faith. And let's help each other to go deeper. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your invitation 2,000 years ago, which is still so relevant today, and it's so simple. You just invited us to follow you. We didn't have to have it all together. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to be everything. Lord, we can follow you exactly as we are. You accept us exactly as we are, but Lord, you love us too much to leave us as we are. And so God, you've invited us into a journey, which is a journey out of the shallows and into the depths. Out of our control and into your control. Out of knowing everything that we can, into trusting in the one who knows everything. And so Jesus, I want to pray today. As we now in a moment do something that Christians have done and are doing. They've been doing it for 2,000 years. They are doing it all around the world. Uh, They'll be doing this in cathedrals, in big cities. They'll be doing it in little huts in the middle of villages. They'll be doing it in homes for fear of persecution. They'll be doing it in warehouses. They'll be doing it with flashy lights. They'll be doing it with no lights and no roof and no windows. But there will be people who are doing what we're about to do. Because when we do it, we remind ourselves of whose we really are. And that we are called to live out this faith together. We can draw near to you together. We can defeat sin together. We can hold on to hope together. And we can change the world together. And Jesus, when you first instituted what we're about to do now, it wasn't just a one person thing. It was a meal you shared with your friends. And you said, whenever you meet, 
And that can be in homes or it can be in a gathered situation. Hey, do this. Just remember who I am and remember what I want to do among you. And Lord, when we do that, when we do that, we move out of the shallows and into the depths. Help us, I pray, Jesus, today in your name. Amen. Why don't we stand together, guys? We're going to take communion together. If you don't know what that is, basically there are two tables here. There are two tables at the back. So guys at the back, go to the back. At the front, come to the front. And basically it's some bread, gluten-free bread and some juice. And these are just kind of symbols that say, hey, hey, this is what Jesus has done. But it's not just about what Jesus has done. This is who Jesus is. And there's something really profound and mysterious and supernatural that when we take communion together, when we eat and drink together, it's like the presence of God is there together in a way that we don't always experience when we're just on our own. And so I want to invite you, and this is open to all of you, okay, whoever you are, this is taking a step to come and to eat and to drink. And you don't need to queue up. You don't need to take it back. You can eat and drink there or take it back, whatever you want to do. But while we do this, we're going to sing a really old song. It's a great hymn. And it reminds us about what Jesus has done. But it reminds us that He hasn't just done it for me or for you. He's done it for us. He's done it for us. And we have to keep that central in all that we are. Amen.